following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. Go into Daniel one more time. Draw near to God. How do we do that? Is that possible? What are some things that we can do in our lives to help us reach the goal of drawing closer to the Lord? I've been telling you over the past few months about some goals of my own that I had, uh, some physical fitness goals, getting in shape, getting in conditioning. Uh, there have been several different motives uh, to point me in that direction. Uh, probably over a year ago, Marsh and I really started walking a lot together. And in, in the mornings, uh, on my own, I would get out and just to see how far I could jog. I knew my knees weren't quite in the condition that they needed to be. Uh, my overall goal was to see how far uh, I could run. I was attempting to drop a few pounds. I get myself in better shape endurance-wise, physical-wise. So in my mind, I had some goals that I wanted to achieve. I had some mental motivation some physical motivation as well. But then after I made a visit to the doctor, my motivation shifted just a little bit. He said, your LDL is too high and your LDL, uh, your HDL is too low. Now, any of, any of you who know anything about blood work, cholesterol, LDL is what? It's your lousy cholesterol. When it's high, it's bad. <laughs> HDL is your happy cholesterol. That's the good stuff. And when it's low, it's bad. So there's a ratio that they look at between those two, my motivation then became to get my LDL low and my HDL high to help myself physically, uh, to prevent uh, heart disease, any other effects that it might have on me. My motivation then began to get a ratio in my blood count that I can't physically see. Only on a sheet of paper through testing could I see that those numbers needed to be reversed. But that was my motivation. I knew that the one thing that would get that ratio back in sync was exercise, cardio. Begin working my heart a little bit harder, watching what I eat. But most important, the exercise is what gets your ratio between your HDL and your LDL where it needs to be. So I found out I could run a little bit further than I thought I could. Uh, after working through it a lot, several months, uh, I, I was set a goal of a mile, and maybe a mile and a half, taking different routes in my neighborhood. Uh, I eventually got up to where I could run about three miles or so. And so then my motivation began this. I want to run a 5K. That's my goal. That's my motivation. I ran one, but it was 10 years ago. <laughs> I was in a lot better shape than I am in right now. But my goal began, I'm, I'm going to find me a 5K somewhere. 3.2 miles. I need to get that three mile mark. I need to get just above that. I need to be able to run a little bit further than that than to know for sure that I can make 3.2 miles. Now, I wasn't worried about the time. All I wanted to do was finish. That was my motivation though, is just to be able to finish your 5k. So last weekend, I participated in my first 5k that I've been in in 10 years. I knew what my time was for my original 5k. I didn't know how many people was going to be involved in this race. Uh, the crowd began showing up. I saw a few guys my age, maybe physically fit like me, in the same condition. Some were not. Uh, they were just getting started on their journey. 
But my motivation was to be to finish this in the best time possible. Now, when the race started, when they said go, there was one other guy that I thought was going to hang with me for my, for a little while. And for about the first quarter of a mile, he was in there. But my goal then, my motive then began, I'm going to beat this guy. <laughs> but there was another motive involved too. There was this young whippersnapper out in front of me. Man, he was cutting up, having a good time. He was jumping up in the air, doing heel clicks, just kind of goofing off. And my motivation then began, I'm going to beat that guy. <laughs> He was out in front of me, but he didn't last long. He played with it so much, and he he ran so fast and just goofed around that he wore himself slap out, and I was able to go by him and finish beyond him. Now, my motivation for this race was preparation. Part of my motivation was getting ready for it. I I needed to consume some protein. I needed to get my carbs up for that morning. But most importantly, I needed to hydrate. I needed to drink a lot of water. So a day or two before that, I began consuming more water making sure my body was properly hydrated. The night before, I drank a lot of water. And then the morning of the race, I drank a lot of water. My motivation was not to become dehydrated while I was in that race. So I finished second overall. uh, But in the end, there was one guy that was catching up on me. He was closing the gap. I hadn't seen him for a while, and I knew he was getting close to the finish line. But about three-quarters of a mile away from the finish line. I knew we were getting close to the end. My motivation became a little bit different. You see, with all the water that I drank the night before and all the water that I drank that morning, my bladder told my body, my mind, you better get it in gear or we're going to have a mess on our hands. (laughs) You were properly hydrated, but we need to do something about it, and we need to do something about it soon. So then that gap that was between me and the guy behind me, He didn't catch me because I had a different motivation. I had a different goal in mind. Unfortunately, the restrooms that were around there were upstairs, and that was not uh, good at the end of a race. So what does that have to do with your prayer life? What does that have to do with us drawing closer to the Lord? What is your motive of prayer right now? You see, our, our motive in prayer, if you are a praying person, if you, if you have been a praying person throughout your life, maybe your prayer life has become stagnant right now and you need some type of motivation to get you back in the mode of praying. Because you see, as a younger person, uh, our motive to pray may be this. Lord, send me a spouse. Send me a partner for life, someone that I can marry, someone that loves the Lord. We begin praying in that direction. And then when we get married, when we find that specific person, that special person that the Lord uh, since to us, our motive to pray may become slightly different. Lord, you need to do something about this knucklehead. <laughs> Lord, why, why is she getting on my case like that? Your motive for praying then becomes differently. You're praying for your spouse. You're praying for your marriage. You're praying for your household. And then when children come along, your motive for praying, boy, I, I hope that you are praying for your kids. Those of you who have children in your household, I, I hope that you are praying for your family right now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you fail to pray for your children, nothing else in life is going to matter. Your Christian life. Children are a heritage of the Lord. Children are a gift that the Lord has given to us to raise and nurture and to teach them and to point them towards the Lord Jesus Christ. As a parent, that should be your motivation for praying. But now as a uh, an adult, maybe you're praying for your grandchildren. 
Maybe you're praying for world peace. Maybe you're praying for your community. Maybe you're praying for your church. I don't know what your motive for praying is. But we can see how that transpires and how that changes and how those priorities shift throughout our life as we look at matters of prayer. In Daniel's life, we've been looking at Daniel for the past few weeks. His motive for praying shifted throughout his captivity in Babylon. His priority in praying as a young adult, some say a teenager, 15 years old when he first came to Babylon as a captive, his motive for praying then was completely different from his motive of praying that we're looking at today. As an adult, he was told not to pray. And that night that he spent in the lion's den, I'm quite certain that his motive for praying was completely different than any other time in his life. You see, your circumstances will sometimes alter your priority and your motive for praying. But in this moment today, with what's going on in this world around us, with what's going on in our community, with what's going on in our life, what is your motive to pray? What do you pray? One of the prayers that we've been praying this week is something that we'll cover here in this passage. We want the face of the Lord to shine upon your life. We want to see the glory. Lord Jesus Christ illuminating the pathway that you are on, and we want to see him glorified here in our community. We're going to look at four specific things that could be your motives to praying that we see in the passage here in Daniel. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 14 is our passage. We read this last week, but we're going to cover it again. The Lord just kind of sat me down in this one spot this week. Uh, I was looking at it last week, but I really wanted it to be our focal point uh, as we move out of this topic of prayer. Verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind. This is Daniel praying to the Lord over the situation at hand. He says, The Lord has kept the disaster in mind upon us. Did you notice that? Sometimes God will allow disasters to come into your life to get your attention and get you to the place where your motive is slightly different than any other time. The Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does. Though we have not obeyed his voice, and now, O Lord our God, brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, We have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem. Your holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant, and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great Mercies. Underscore those three words right there. Highlight them, put a star by them. 
We are here today in this sanctuary, in the nation that we live in, only because of God's great mercies. Only do we have any blessings in our life for that one reason, because of his great mercies, because we're not deserving of it. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Father God, we just thank you so much for your desire to communicate with us. God, we thank you that we have the privilege of prayer. We thank you that we have the opportunity of meeting here today. And we just pray, Lord God, that we can use Daniel's prayer here in chapter 9 as a pattern for our own prayer life, Lord. Right now, Lord God, I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, I must decrease and you must increase. Just like Daniel, Lord God, I want to be your servant in this time to deliver the message that you put upon my heart as we talk about the motives of our prayer. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The first thing that we see that Daniel mentions as a motive of his prayer and should be a motive of our prayer as well, we should always be motivated to pray when we comprehend God's righteousness. Notice in verse 14 and 16, that's one of the first things that he starts talking about in this part of his prayer. He says, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works in which he does. And in verse 16, he says, O Lord, according to all your righteousness. When we recognize the fact that God has blessed us when he didn't have to, that alone should motivate us to pray. God, I don't deserve your blessings in my life. I don't even deserve the opportunity to boldly approach your throne of grace. But you tell me to come through the blood of Jesus Christ and to make my petitions and my requests known to you. And just like Daniel, we ask God, God, incline your ear to the prayer that I'm praying. We don't have any right of doing that. And it's only out of God's righteousness and his mercy and his grace do we have that opportunity, that privilege. As we turn our attention right now to thanksgiving, we reflect on those areas of our life that we are thankful for. Let me just give you a little secret here. When you are a child of God, you shouldn't need a holiday to be thankful for what you have. You shouldn't need one specific time of year in which you can reflect on how much God has blessed you. You see, God doesn't have to bless us. But out of his righteousness, he has. Daniel points out specifically in verse uh, 14 that God is righteous in all the works that he does. Even this disaster that has come upon Daniel and the Hebrew nation during this time, this Babylonian captivity. Daniel says, out of your righteousness, you are totally justified in doing what you have done. Daniel is saying, we have gotten what we deserve, and it's all because of your righteousness that this has happened to us. Think about that for just a moment. Jerusalem is in ruins. I mean, King Nebuchadnezzar came in and he completely leveled 
the city of Jerusalem and many other cities around it. He took the temple of God and anything that was of value, any gold and silver or any artifacts that he wanted, he took and brought them to Babylon and then he burnt the temple of God to the ground. And now here's Daniel. He's thankful for what he has. Even while he's in captivity, away from the home that he loves, away from the land that he loves, he's saying, God, you had every right to do what you did because we did not obey. You see, there's a direct relationship between your obedience and God's blessings in your life. We hear a lot of people saying that they want justice these days. No, you don't want justice. (laughs) You don't ever want to get what you got coming to you because it would be something similar to what Daniel and the children of Israel got during this time. If you really got what you deserved, you would spend eternity in hell. But out of God's mercy and out of his righteousness, God has provided a way to avoid all that. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And now we stand before the Lord God Almighty, not in our own righteousness, but we are clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ because he shed his blood on Calvary for our sins. And Daniel is reflecting on that. He's reflecting that, Lord, all of this has happened. And the only way I can approach you with this prayer is because you are righteous and holy. And when we can wrap our minds around the righteousness of God, that should be something that motivates us to pray more often. Daniel initially reflects upon their sinfulness in contrast to God's righteousness. You see, that's one thing that uh, recognizing God's righteousness does. When we realize just how righteous and holy God is, it is then that we understand just how sinful, how dirty, and how corrupt we are. There's a contrast that is created there when we recognize the righteousness of God. It's just like going out at night and looking up at the stars in the sky. The only reason that those stars stand out, those little bitty specks of light, up in the cosmos, the only reason that they stand out is because of the blackness and the darkness that is contrasted behind them. What makes the gospel good news? You've got to understand the bad news before you fully appreciate the good news. You've got to understand just how sinful we are and how far separated we are from the Lord. And you've got to understand that out of his righteousness, he has provided a way for us to stand before him, clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the thing that Daniel asked for that I find most interesting is in verse 16. He says, O Lord, according to your righteousness. His motive shifts as he begins praying. He prays that the Lord will forgive them of their sins according to his righteousness. What's the big deal of, about that? Would you rather be forgiven out of God's mercy or would you rather be forgiving according to God's mercy? When the Gospel of John opens up, it speaks of Jesus Christ coming in all of his fullness. And in John 1.16 says this, it says, And of his fullness we have received and grace for grace. Not just out of his mercy, 
But in proportion to his mercy, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, Philippians 4.19. And he says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. You see that word according means in proportion to, not out of. God didn't just take a little bit of his mercy and pour it up out on your life. He didn't just take a little bit of his righteousness and sprinkle it over you. In proportion to God's holiness, his righteousness, and his mercy, that's what he has made available to us. Let me put it to you like this. The word according simply means in proportion to. If if Bill Gates or Elon Musk said they wanted to make a donation to our church, Lord, please let that happen. <laughs> My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But if Bill Gates or Elon Musk were to make a donation to this church and they were just to drop a $5 bill in the offering plate, that wouldn't be very much based upon what we know about their wealth and everything that they own, would it? They gave out of their abundance. They gave out of their wealth. But if they gave according to what they have, in proportion to, alongside of, or parallel with, Guess what? They'd be writing a check for maybe several million dollars and dropping it in there. They say, you know what? You need this worse than I do. You can do more with it than I can. God told me to give this to you. Lord, please let that happen. But then they gave according to the riches that they have. And that's the picture that I want you to see of God pouring out his riches, his love, and his mercy. And I'm not talking about material blessings either, folks. I'm talking about spiritual blessings. I'm rich in love and faith and hope. (laughs) All the things that God wants to pour out in my life, he has given to me in proportion to everything that he has. Daniel says, I need a miracle here. We've been in captivity here in Babylon. My city lies in ruins. My temple is destroyed. Lord, we need you to do something according to your righteousness. We need you to do something according to your mercies. And so I think that we will recognize the fact of just how righteous and how holy God is. That should motivate us to pray more and more effectively. The next thing that I want you to see happens in the second half of verse 16 and 17. We should be motivated to pray when we realize our sinfulness. When we realize our sinfulness, when we realize just how desperately we need a Savior, when we recognize the fact that God is holy and we are not, when we understand the depth of our depravity and our sinfulness, that should drive us to our knees and say, God, I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your righteousness, but I'm asking you to forgive me and cleanse me and help me to become more like Jesus. That alone in itself should be a motive for our prayer. Daniel says in the second half of verse 16, Lord, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem. Why? Because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers. Daniel said this wasn't something that just happened. This is something that's been going on. This is something that we are all responsible for. The reason that this has happened is because of our disobedience and our sinfulness. He says, Jerusalem and your people 
are a reproach to all those. And then he makes a prayer and a supplication. He says, Lord, hear the prayer of your servant. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary. Why does Daniel bring up the past sins here? Because it creates that contrast once again between their sinfulness and disobedience and God's holiness. The more we understand the depth of our sin and our depravity, the more we're motivated to pray. Daniel recognized the simple fact that it is because of his own sinfulness and the sinfulness are in this position. That in turn motivates Daniel to cry out to God. And when he does, he uses language that is found all in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 26. You can either turn there or write it down. Because this is something we started praying for specifically in choir practice on Sunday night. I, I challenged our group, uh, look, just pray that the Lord's face would shine upon us. And it's a priestly blessing that is found in the book of Numbers. This is a prayer that Moses told Aaron and his sons to pray over the people. And I want you to see the picture that it creates here. Verse 24 says, the Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isn't that a beautiful picture? To recognize the point that at some point in time, God was actually turned away from you. And then Moses says, I want you to pray that God would turn and let his face shine upon you. Look, it's something to be in the Shekinah glory of the Lord, to know that his presence is there. But when you think that God is looking at you in a way that his face is shining upon you and illuminating you, boy, I tell you what, what a blessing that is. What a powerful prayer that is. And this is something that Daniel would have known about, and that's why he uses this particular language in his own prayer. Not only do we see that in... Uh, the book of Numbers, but we see it also in the book of Psalms, chapter 31, verse 6. Verse 16, excuse me. He said, make your face shine upon your servant and save me for your mercy's sake. We see here that the shining face of God is connected to the servant of God as well. Daniel knows that the only way to dispel the darkness of their sin is for God, according to his righteousness, to shine his face once again upon his people. Folks, our country is getting darker and darker by the minute. Our world is getting darker and darker because of its sinful condition. This world, my life, we need God right now more than ever to shine his face upon our nation because it feels like he is turning completely against us. And mankind, the population of our country is turning as far away from the Lord as they can. And the only way to dispel the darkness that is in our country right now is to pray that God would turn his face 
toward our nation. And that's what Daniel is praying for specifically here. Nothing should motivate you to pray more when you understand just how sinful we are in comparison to God's holiness. And one way that you can pray for us to recognize God's holiness is for his face to shine upon our lives. Next thing we see Daniel praying for that motivates him to pray is he prays for God's forgiveness. He recognizes God's righteousness. He recognizes his own sinfulness and the sinfulness of the people around him. Point number three, we should be motivated to pray when we are seeking God's forgiveness. Let me just tell you this. There's enough forgiveness for each and every one of us. And there's just as much forgiveness to go around this world. Even the person that you think that God can't save, there's enough forgiveness for them as well. And Daniel says, I've experienced your forgiveness before, and I want my people to experience your forgiveness because we want to go back to the place that you created for us, and we want to be the people that you created us to be. Daniel clearly points out that forgiveness comes not through their righteous deeds. Did you catch that? He says, oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds. But because of what? But because of your great mercies. Daniel's saying this. Daniel's saying we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't work for it. There is nothing we can do physically to earn your mercy and your grace and your righteousness. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's forgiveness. Baptism won't save you. It is something that you need to do to follow in obedience. Being a good person won't save you. Even though that is something that a Christian should be, they should conduct themselves in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. You can come to church from now till the day you die, each and every day. You could live here if you wanted to, but that is not what's going to get you God's forgiveness. It's only because of his mercy, and it's only because of us confessing that we are unholy, and he is holy. And it's only us recognizing the fact that we need a Savior for our sin debt that we can experience the mercy of God. And he makes it new each and every day. We noted last week that this whole prayer began because of what Daniel read from the prophet of Jeremiah. When you get into God's word and you recognize just how good and faithful and holy and righteous God is, that wants you to seek forgiveness in your life. And this whole prayer, that is the direction, that is what's motivating Daniel, is God, I want you to forgive your people, I want you to forgive me, and I want us to be restored because of the sinful, disobedient acts that we have committed. But what he read in the book of Jeremiah was that Jeremiah predicted a 70 year of captivity in Babylon because of their disobedience, and that is what is unfolding before Daniel's very eyes. But here's something else that Daniel might have read. If he had the book of Jeremiah, if he had Jeremiah's writings, 
Jeremiah also wrote another book. It's called The Lamentations. Jeremiah was weeping over the destruction and desolation of Jerusalem. But in that time, in that book called Lamentations, in that period of sorrow and mourning, here's what Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. He says, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that good news? That God makes his mercies new each and every day. They never get old. He doesn't run out. But each and every morning when you wake up, you have fresh mercies waiting on you. You have the opportunity to say, God, forgive me. Help me to draw closer to you. Help me to understand you more. Help me to know you more. Help me to wrap my mind around just how righteous and holy you are. Apostle Paul writes in Titus chapter 3 verse 5, he says that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, he says, but it is according to your mercies that you saved us. What is it about God's forgiveness that motivates us to pray more? When we realize that there's nothing we can do on our own to earn it, that should motivate us to pray more than anything else. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says it is by grace you are saved through faith, and it's that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a work should any man boast. And that's exactly what Daniel is recognizing here. He says, Lord, it's not because of what we have done. It's not because of our righteous deeds, but it is because of your great mercies that we can experience this forgiveness. And the last point I want to make is what Daniel reflects on. Basically, throughout this whole prayer, he reflects back on the goodness of the Lord. He recounts all of the things that God has done for them in the past. And he says, God, you've done it before in the past, and I know you'll do it again in the future. He reflects back on the time when the children of Israel were in Egypt, and God released them and set them free. He talks of the time when God made an oath that he wants to make them as numerable as the stars in the sky and multitude and the sands by the seashore innumerable. He reflects back at all the times that God has been so, so faithful. And when we look back on our lives and we see the times that God has faithfully done things in our lives, when he's miraculously provided for us, when we thought there was no answer, when we thought that there was no relief in sight, we look back on those times and we say, God, I've seen you do it in my life before in the past. And I know that you'll do it again. When we start prayer meetings, that's one of the first things that we do when we pull out that prayer list. We don't start making requests. We look back and say, who can brag on God today? Who can boast about what the Lord has done this week, this year, this month? Last night, before we started eating, before we started praying, I wanted to know, what are you thankful for? Because God is faithful. 
He'll never let you down. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And just when you think that your life is as dark as it could be, that's when he likes to show up and say, all right, let me show you what I can do now. And that's what Daniel is counting on in this specific prayer. Verse 19, he says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. And Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God. For your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel reflects on what the prophets had said. Daniel reflects on the oaths that were made between God's people and him. Deliverance from evil, and he talks about all of God's mighty work. He's looking back on the blessings of the past as he prays for the future of his people. Back in 1 Samuel 17, if you'll remember the story of David versus Goliath, before David even set foot on the battlefield, Saul, King Saul began asking David, David, why, why do you think you can take Goliath down? Why do you think you can defeat Goliath? Do you remember what da- uh, David said? Do you remember what David told King Saul as proof that he could do it? David was saying that God has done it before and he will do it again. Listen to what David said. First Samuel, the story of David and Goliath. Chapter 17, beginning in verse 34. Saul said to David, Why, how, how do you know you're able to take down this Philistine? How do you know you can conquer Goliath? David said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I took it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of his Philistine. Boy, folks, if you can grasp the things that God has done for you in your life, all the blessings he's poured out upon you, that should motivate you to pray. God, I've seen you do it before in the past, and I want you to do it again in the future. You've promised that you make your mercies new each and every day. You've delivered me time and time again. You set me free. You provided Jesus, your only son, to forgive me of my sins. He died on the cross. He rose three days again. God, you've done it before. You can do it again. And with God, nothing is impossible. And that is what Daniel is reflecting upon right now. Daniel's motive for prayer here is that he knows because of God's righteousness that God wants to restore his people. Daniel's also praying because of God's faithfulness. He will restore his people. If you're having difficulty right now spending time with the Lord, you have just failed to recognize exactly what life. In the Psalms, David writes this, Psalms 34, 8. He says, to taste and to see that the Lord is good. In other words, what have you experienced before in your life? I didn't know crawfish cornbread was good until I tasted it and tried it. I said, man, that is some good stuff, and I want some more of it. 
And when you look back upon your life and you see all the things that you've experienced, all the times you've experienced the hand of God moving in your life, you say, boy, that's good. I want some more of that. That should motivate you to pray more than anything else. God is so faithful. In his word, he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his servants begging for bread. God wants to show you in your life just how faithful he can be. And that's what Daniel's reflecting on here. Daniel said, I've seen it in your word how faithful you are. I've experienced it in the life. You, you saved me, not a scratch on me. God, you've delivered us time and time and time again, and I know that you will do it again. Daniel has tasted of the goodness of God, and now he's wanting to see God's hand at work again in the life of his people. Great is his faithfulness. There's an old hymn that talks about the faithfulness of God. Great is our faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Thou hast been, thou forever will be. You know the course, sing it with me. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Have you experienced God's faithfulness in your life? Have you experienced the pardon and peace that only he can bring? Have you experienced his righteousness and his forgiveness? Have you experienced the goodness of God? Every head bowed and every eye closed. We have a special hymn of invitation this morning. I don't want you to sing. I want you to just listen for a few moments. It's a, it's a song that's very, very special and very, very near and dear to my heart. And it talks about the goodness of God. And as you listen to these songs, I want you to think back in your own life. What is the motive for you to live? Have you experienced God's goodness and his faithfulness? The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.